stop saying funny stuff now. Say it later, please. All right, cool. All right, cool. Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Films on Trial. This week, Batman and Robert. I'm Gav. I'm Alex. I'm Joel. I'm Dave. And I'm Austin. And just like Batman and Robin, we all come together. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Unprompted. Unprompted, I might add. Which is actually pretty impressive talent, but it's also one of the main reasons that we haven't done a live show yet. Uh, now, already, what, what are we in? Like a minute already, and I've already got this episode into the gutter. Now, if you haven't heard this show before, then I do apologize. Uh, but hold on to your diamonds. Because apologize we're for the crassness or for the show, just generally. A bit of both, both, to be honest. Yeah, a bit of both. I apologize for everything that you're about to listen to. Um, <laughs> but if you haven't seen the show before, then hold on to your diamonds because we're about to send your ears to the cooler. <laughs> Essentially, we take oh a film God. and we put it on trial. <laughs> it's as simple as that. There's also a whole host of other hilarious shenanigans to keep you entertained, including a caption contest, a quiz, some average impressions, some awful xylophone playing, some silly sound effects, and a whole lot of banter. So, do stick around. Now, this week's film on trial is the 1997 superhero film, Batman and Robin. Is it Bruce or is it Dick? Is it batting above average or is it Robin, you blind? Uh, <laughs> you didn't pick one there, did you? You just used them all. No, I've got, I've got many, many more. I'm just picking two <laughs> of the best. Um, so just imagine what the others sound like. <laughs> Essentially, is this film worthy of a place on our questionable hit list or will it be thrown into the depths of our even more questionable shit list? Hopefully, we're going to find out. Now, just to say, this will be a very spoilerific episode, so if you haven't seen Batman and Robin yet, check it out. It's free if you have Sky or Now TV accounts, or you can listen to this episode after you've watched the film, or you can just trust our judgments. Alternatively, you can fast forward to our quiz this week brought to you by me, which will start around the 40-minute mark. I reckon, who knows, probably. Now, before we go on, our last film was Artemis Fowl. I'm trying to find some sound effects to um, adequately sum up the film, but all I can come up with is this. Uh, now, I judged that film and deemed that it should be placed on the shit list. I've since gone away and watched the film. Did I make the right call? The answer is, of course, I did. It is not very good. <laughs> it's... Is, it, is it worse than you thought it was going to be? Or... Yeah, yeah, it's really, really, really bad. I mean, a, a lot of people were throwing out wild accusations that Bulaquo, which is an awful film that we've all seen together, uh, it was better than Artemis Fowl. And I, I thought... Feel... I feel like sometimes when we throw Bula Quo around, we forget that most people don't know that it's a film. Bula Quo is a film about the band Status Quo, and it yeah. isn't very good. It was made as a tax dodge, and you can tell it's not very good. Uh, and it was made is for that, about twenty pounds. Is that a definite fact that it was a tax dodge? Or I reckon. Just, sorry, okay. maybe I'm throwing allegations out there, right? <laughs> but it's it, it's assumed that it was made as a tax dodge for about twenty quid. Uh, now it was of a higher quality than Artemis Fowl, which cost about 150 million or whatever it was. Okay. Um, I did feel really sorry for the kids who played Artemis Fowl, though, because 
I, I don't know whether it was because the script was poor or whether he hasn't had much experience in the past, but he just wasn't very convincing at all. And finding out that he was Robert Shaw's grandson as well. I mean, you know, Robert Shaw might have been eaten by a shark in Jaws, but I think that's a better outcome than this kid <laughs> who jumped the shark within the first Ooh. 10 minutes of Artemis Fowl. I don't think this guy's going to have much of a career after that, and I feel really bad for saying it, but it's not a good film. So apologies, it's on the shit list. Uh, now, also, before we go on, it's time for a brief new segment called uh, Gav Eats, I think. I've just come up with that. Gav uh, Eats, perfect. Gav, Gav Eats. <laughs> uh, uh, I'll see if we've got a soundtrack for this. No, I'm really sorry we haven't. Oh, fuck, bullshit. All this <laughs> preparation. All this preparation. Um, uh, basically, uh, one of our uh, long-term, uh, long-time listeners, Stoops, sent us a lovely care package from America uh, full of lots of American and uh, Mexican cuisine, essentially. Uh, now, the idea was that we were all going to get together as a group and we were going to record ourselves uh, visually eating these snacks and then we were going to say, you know, what we thought of them and give them a rating at the end of it. That never happened. So the idea was that we were going to eat them while recording ourselves before they went off, essentially before the uh, best before date. That also didn't happen because of lockdown. So now I've just got a bag of food that has slightly gone off uh, by, uh, I'm going to say about six months to a year um, that I just, I'm going to, I'm going to eat essentially. So we're going to just test it. Right. So the, the, the first product that I've got is something called Takis. I, I, I like the way it's the guy with the least robust digestive system. <laughs> that we've left to eat it. Yeah. Doing this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I am allergic to a few things, so um, it'll be uh, interesting to, to see what the final result is. I'll give it a brief result now, and I'll, then I'll give it another verdict <laughs> next week. So um, while you're while you're reaching into it, I've uh, I've actually got the letter um, that came or uh, that came with all of the stuff. So I'll just let you know that the reason that we were sent this is because um, Stoops was made up that we would send uh, Freddos around the world to people. So so she wanted to. Um, to send a little bit back from where she's from, which is Texas, not far from um, not far from Mexico. So that thing, Takis, is pronounced Torquies, and it's a product of Mexico, and it's a rolled-up tortilla chip covered in a very spicy and tangy chili lime powder. So that's three things automatically that you're not allowed to eat. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I should have told you this before you opened the packet. Um, this is a this is a really popular snack for elementary school kids, apparently. Um, you know what? I think these are all right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, bearing in mind that tacky is like English a talkie, slang. Sorry, a talky. But it's, but it's spelled tacky, but it's English slang for cheap and garish. But I think I think these are quite nice, uh, even if they are a little bit out of date. Um, I'm going to give this three tacos out of five. <laughs> nice. Can I just say though, yeah, I've actually had most of the other stuff that was left behind. So anything that was classed as vegan, I've eaten already. So the barbecue sauce was incredible. Salsa, incredible. I wish I'd shared it with you all, but um, lockdown. So sorry, guys. <laughs> you know what? I mean, these apparently went off in June 2019. But they still taste all right, to be honest. So I think I'm just probably going to eat the rest of them during this podcast. I think uh, the Americans have really got it down for you know like things that can can survive a, like an apocalypse. Yeah, I think juice. if the apocalypse happened tomorrow in the UK, we'd be absolutely goosed for trying to find food. Yeah, preservatives. Galore. That's happened That's with uh, coronavirus when the shelves went empty. 
That's exactly. A, but I'm living I, like a king because I got a bag full of Mexican American <laughs> cuisine here. And I've still got some toilet rolls, so I'll trade you. <laughs> yeah, I might need them tomorrow, to be honest. Um, now, onto the bulk of the show. This week's film, as mentioned before, is Batman and Robin. Hang on. I haven't prepared for this. Um, so. That's not like you, Gav. I know it's not. It's not, is it? You ready? Oh, how many times? How many times have I was... Like, you ready? Uh, oh, <laughs> oh man, I'm, I'm choking on talkies. Uh, now, this film wasn't picked out of the hat at random, but was sloppily picked by Joel at the end of last week's episode as we tried to round up our Im- impromptu bird month. So uh, all of the roles, however, for today's trial have been picked at random. So acting as defense and trying to get this film placed on the hit list will be me and Alex. I'm just like Bane. I have problems controlling my anger and I sometimes leak toxic fluids, um, which will especially be true tomorrow after eating this bag of talkies. And Alex is just like Arnold Schwarzenegger's Mr. Freeze. He's bald. He is bald. He's bald. Alex, Aussie, listen. don't do, don't do that. Aussie, don't go, as if it's, you know what I mean? It just, it just legitimizes this terrible fucking joke that he's putting us through every week. Do you know what I mean? You know what it is? I uh, what, I'd, that... what, I'd, what I'd appreciate is if everyone could just remain silent when he does it. I often forget that that's what the joke's going to be. Yeah. And then I'm pleasantly reminded whenever it is. Now, I'm, Alex, I'm glad I, you are. I will I'm say. shaving today, I see as well. Nice. <laughs> Exactly, it's more relevant than ever. Um, uh, all I'm going to say is that before you dialed into the chat, I did ask Joel and Dave if there was any other thing that resembled, any other resemblance between you and Mr. Freeze, and they couldn't think of anything. So Thank, I, Thanks, guys. Thanks, <laughs> thanks, sir. That makes it much better. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> After this prosecution and trying to get this film placed on the shit list will be Joel and Dave. Joel is quite like Chris O'Donnell's Robin. What he lacks in a personality, he makes up for in his love for bikes. And Dave is a bit like George Clooney's Batman. Well-spoken and good-natured, but he looks like he's well and truly given up a long time ago. <laughs> now, just like real court advocates, the defense and prosecution will be making the best case for their roles. These may or may not be their real opinions, though, so do stay tuned until the end of the episode to hear their genuine thoughts. Uh, which means this week, Ozzy will be playing the judge, and Ozzy is just like Uma Thurman's poison ivy, a specky tree-hugging vegan inside the body of a gorilla. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, now, Ozzy must decide which list the film should be placed on, hit or shit, based solely on the arguments put to him and not using his own opinion. Now, before we get started, I think we should give the listeners a bit of a better understanding as to what this film is all about. So let us spin the wheel of impressions. Uh, I don't have the sound effect ready, so uh, brrr, whatever it is. <laughs> So here we read off the synopsis of the film in the style of one of the cast or characters from the film this week. It has landed on Joel. So how would we like Joel to read out the synopsis? Schwarzenegger, right? I mean, that's classic. Yeah, how's your Schwarzenegger, Joel? Well, send us in this one. Is, uh, pretty, this, pretty is this map on with the regular ring? No. no. I think you asked the same question last week. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is not the one with the Riddler in. Oh. He asked the same question when we did Joker as well, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Schwarzenegger. If if you reckon you can do a better Uma Thurman impression, then yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. fill your boots. But um, I am well known for my sexy female voices, but I'll, I'll try and stick with uh, Arnie. 
Batman und Robin. <lacht> maybe Uber. Actually, Joe, maybe Uber. I love it. No, no, I love it. I love it. Try to keep their relationship together. <lacht> Even as they will stop Mr. Freeze and Poison Ivy from freezing. <lacht> I love it. I love it. That was absolutely God, brilliant. Did it, was it just me or did, did, that, did that get a little French towards the end? <laughs> From Fizzing, Gotham. <laughs> oh, that was brilliant. That was the best impression we've done in months. <laughs> That's the only reason I picked this film, to be honest. Uh, now, uh, without further hesitation, Ozzy, would you like to please kick off proceedings? Thank you. Yeah, okay, so we've established that it's not the one with the Riddler in. Um, <laughs> I know now that it's got uh, it's got Mr. Freeze and it's got Poison Ivy in, so um, maybe we should start with the defense and, and tell me why is this a good uh, a good Batman uh, film? There's so many of them. What makes this one stand out above the rest? Oh, what, you know, what doesn't make it a good Batman film is what I want to know. <laughs> Uh, no, this well, that's is... not what he asked you. <laughs> okay, you want me to tag in at that point? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, like this, this film comes in for quite a bit of criticism. And I think it's quite unfair. Um, I think, you know, overall, as a story, it's, it's your standard sort of Batman stuff. Batman and Robin have got to team up. Uh, they've got to put their differences aside so they can beat some supervillains which are terrorizing Gotham City. Um, it features the supervillains, uh, Mr. Freeze, who teams up with Poison Ivy, um, and yeah, essentially, Mr. Freeze wants to, all he wants to do initially is to try and find a cure uh, for McGregor syndrome, which is a disease that his wife suffers from. Um, he's had an accident uh, where he fell into some cryofreeze, and it means that he's constantly got to be, uh, his body temperature's got to be below like 50 degrees or whatever it is. Uh, and he is robbing diamonds all across the city so he can not only power his suit, but also fund his research to cure his wife. And then at the same time, we've got Uma Thurman's Poison Ivy. She is a botanist. She's working with plants and uh, she gets poisoned by venom. And then she wants to essentially, she realizes that, planet earth is getting absolutely screwed over plants are getting pulled out and decimated all across the world so she wants to essentially end all humanity and replace it with plant life essentially you know bring back mother nature um and yeah so they team together and try and enact those plans whilst batman and robin try and stop them and then eventually get teamed up uh, with batgirl as well um now in general this film is very camp and ridiculous uh, but that is a good thing you know it doesn't try and be anything different yes it was a massive shift in tone from batman and batman returns from tim ben but you know we are judging this as a standalone film and not part of the series we're also judging it uh, we're not judging it by today's standards of you know comic book or superhero films as well which is very unfair because you know it's probably the most uh, popular genre in cinema at the moment but at the time, I think this was quite revolutionary, firstly, because it brought back the cartoony, tangible comic book feel to the genre. Uh, before this, they had become quite dark and serious. This film really lightened the tone and was more relaxed and fun. And it also laid the groundwork for films like Spider-Man and the Fantastic Four by reminding people that superhero or comic book movies can be campy and fun and not just super serious all the time. And secondly, I think this film is of cultural significance because if we wouldn't have had this film, then we wouldn't have had Christopher Nolan's Batman films. I think Batman needed to go back and explore its camp, ridiculous and silly roots before it could evolve into something else. And if Schumacher would have just continued um, with you know, the formula that was laid out in Batman Forever and wouldn't have gone balls to the wall with this film, 
uh, it, it, we wouldn't have had you know the Batman um, as, as we know it today. We wouldn't have had the Dark Knight trilogy. I think this film is just very fun. It's it's for children, and you know it, it doesn't take itself too seriously, and it's a good laugh. So stick it. There you go. Well, that's um, an argument straight after the Aussie Ray playbook, and um, and I like that very much. But, um, <laughs> I've, I've also got, interviewed got... several children, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you've, got, you've got four big ticks in the box there for reference in other films. Everything led from from this this one. So uh, thanks, man. I'm going to eat some celebratory talkies. I'm so can the Harry and Mr. Freeze just jump in there so you put your hand up. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm on. I'm on the defence. So I just, yeah. I just want to agree with a, a lot of what Gav said there. I, I watched this yesterday, and this is a bit of an antidote to the Christopher Nolan films and to the more like the DC stuff that's out at the moment. You've got Batman versus Superman, and you've got all this grim talk of, oh, you know, this happened, you know, and, and it's all very, very heavy. Whereas this is just, it, honestly, it transports you back to the '90s when it's all people sort of like doing backflips as they fight each other. It's not like some great choreographed scene. It's just, you know, like nice little set pieces, sets blowing up, all all very fun and something you could watch easily on the carpet when you're a little kid. So great fun and a great antidote. It's just nice to remember. And I think honestly that superhero films should start going back towards that rather than going to this really, really grim grittiness I would like to see more films like Batman and Robin out there where it's a bit more fun and a bit more people, you know, just 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 for kids. Yeah. Having a laugh. Having a laugh, not taking itself too seriously. Okay, uh, prosecution, let me hear this. It's, uh, it doesn't take itself too seriously. It's a fun watch, big set pieces, big explosions. Uh, easy, easy to sit back and enjoy it for what it is. What do you think? Um, hear from you, Joel. You love a good explosion. Well, you know what? What Gavin, uh, Mr. Harry, Mr. Freeze have actually said isn't too far years. from the truth. <laughs> but I would argue that it does take itself seriously. It is trying to be a serious superhero film. It's just one of those films that is so bad that it ends up becoming funny. Um, you know, a lot of there's a lot of kind of very corny uh, Arnie one-liners. You know, which you dissociate with kind of is, is calling the action films from the 80s, you know, and it just goes to show that this film hasn't really moved on in terms of time uh, from something like that to when this film was released. Um, you know, I think one of them is when he says, revenge is a, is a dish best served cold, you know, obviously being Mr. Freeze, classic type of Arnie thing, but you would say that maybe, you know, it's mis- misplaced in terms of... Um, you know, kind of the era and the time and that type of thing. Another obviously major thing is the fact that this is a Batman film and it's not really, you don't get that feeling when you're watching it. You know, you, you don't really feel like you're watching Batman. Uh, I'm not massively well rehearsed in, in the law of Batman or anything like that. You know, I wasn't a massive fan uh, when, when I was a kid, but I know enough, uh, you know, from what I've seen to kind of understand the character and understand what he stands for and that type of thing. And this this film as well, you know, as we'll probably go into later on, is just littered with really strange decisions. And Gav touched on the, you know, uh, like the the MCU and all these kind of modern superhero films, and you can barely tell with those films that the people who made them both care about the film and care about the characters. They might be, you know, well rehearsed in in the material that they're making or something like that. And this film is the complete opposite. You can instantly tell, you know, even as me, somebody who doesn't know 
Batman very much. You can instantly tell that the director just did not research the characters at all. You know, from from the little I've seen of Mr. Freeze in the comics and the cartoons as a kid, that type of thing, you know, he's a completely different character in that. Uh, Batman, Robin, Batgirl, all extremely... Uh, I guess you would say like kind of stereotypical characters. There's nothing really much that sets them apart uh, from any other type of, you know, standardized hero in a comic. It's it's not the usual Batman that, um, you know, that you were used to even with like the Mike, Michael Keaton films or anything like that. It's just, a, I suppose it is a palate cleanser in a way, but it it's more of a comedy, you know, it's, a, it's more of an unintentional comedy. And that, that obviously is you know, a, a big minus point for the film. You don't go into Batman to, to have a laugh. You go into Batman to see Batman kick some ass and be entertained for, you know, an hour and a half or two hours. Okay, um, Alex. Alex, um, I'll call you by your real name for a, for a little while. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> no we should worries. say that all of our names have been changed by Joel because <laughs> um, we're doing this on Zoom. And I've just found out that mine's the sunburned slender man. So thank you very much. <laughs> Joel's hasn't Joel's isn't changed, by the way. His just is Joel. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, very odd. Although his background's changed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, best leave it out. Uh, yeah, if you don't mind, Ozzy, I'm just going to jump in and say, like, like you know, this film isn't taking itself seriously. Joel was saying it. Yeah, you know, it, it wants to be taken seriously, but it doesn't know how, and it's goofy. You know, this is a film that opens up with um, Batman Robin's having a showdown with Mr. Freeze that ends up with them ice skating where they click their shoes together, ice skates come out of their shoes and they go around with hockey pucks trying to get the diamond. They then Mr. Freeze to try and escape the situation gets into a rocket ship and flies out up into space with Batman and Robin inside it where they all fall down. So it definitely does know it's being a bit daft. Yeah. I think, you know, the source material, there's, there's lots of different versions of Batman. Adam West, the, the original Batman TV series, is incredibly camp and, and, and very much like this. You know, it's all pow, kapow. People loved it. People really enjoyed it. So I think Joel Schumacher was making a, a good choice to go back to that time. You know, and Joel was saying, you know, the source material, it doesn't really go into the depth of the characters. I would disagree. And... Yes, this film is um, camp and fun and lots of you know set pieces going off, but it also does actually explore the characters of Batman and Robin a bit. You know, there's the thing between them is that Robin doesn't feel like Batman trusts him. That's you know, so it's them working as a team together, and also it's got some really good quotes and quotes which I think you know Christopher Nolan would have dreamed of writing in, into his films. I just I read out one that's by Alfred. Right, this is when Batman's talking to Alfred and talking about how you know it's hard and his and his sort of like spiritual. It comes to a bit of a spiritual impasse in the film, and. Alfred says, death and chance stole your parents, but rather than become a victim, you've done everything in your power to control the fates. For what is Batman, if not an effort to master the chaos that sweeps our world, an attempt to control death itself? You know, so this film does have, it does have some meaty chops to it, it when it, you know, so it doesn't just do the let's kick some ice and, and all about, you know, revenge is a de- uh, dish best uh, cold. It does explore the characters and, you know, it does have some, it does have those important character moving things that you do need in a in any superhero film okay um dave dave you uh had your hand up lightly a little earlier i don't know whether we moved mm-hmm. on beyond that but um i'm, I'm happy for you to jump back to a it. little but i will backtrack slightly uh just what alex was just saying it's got maybe one half decent line um but what we were just establishing there was that the film was made for kids and this is very much a callback 
to the Adam West era of Batman. This isn't like the original comic books. It's not like the Tim Burton films. It's it's only vaguely similar to the previous Joel Schumacher film, Batman Forever. That is the one with the Riddler. Um, and yet this is very different. It may have one semi-decent line, but it's got a lot of naff puns. I mean, Gav was saying before that Mr. Freeze is going around stealing diamonds. Why is his suit powered out of one of the most expensive subjects, um, items on the planet? Because you can make a pun because a slang term for diamonds is ice. They pure that's that's in the script for the pun potential. That is the only reason that is there. And this whole film was built around pun potential and making jokes. It it doesn't take itself seriously. I agree with that. But with a hundred and sixty five million dollar budget, maybe it should have done because a lot of that money may not have seen a return. And you know. If you say that, you know, it's a good thing that they went back to the Adam West style of Batman. It's a good thing that they went back to this, the campy kitsch basics where it doesn't take itself seriously, where it's just daft. I don't think that, I think that was a a serious uh, lack of judgment, to be honest with you, because if this was made for kids, and I do believe that that it was, I mean, studio execs got Joel Schumacher to change uh, the car and the costumes and the sets because they wanted to make marketable toys. They essentially wanted this to be a toy commercial. And that studio, there is evidence to say studio execs approached the director and said, no, no, change that costume. We want to be able to make a toy out of that, change the card of this. We want to be make, want it to look different from the toy that we had for the previous film so kids will buy this car. It was a toy commercial, essentially. And the reason why it was aimed at kids, and it's a bad idea to go back to Adam West, is because one of the most popular TV shows of the early 90s was Batman the Animated Series, which took a heavy note from the Tim Burton films that went on before it. This is a stark departure. Kids loved the animated TV series Batman. You know, that was a big deal. That was even today you see polls of like classic cartoons, classic kids TV shows, and it often makes the top 20, sometimes even the top 10. And it was revered at the time as well. Kids grew up watching that. The the people who grew up watching Adam West were grown up now. They are not the target market for this. It was a huge misstep. Okay, it was actually a exactly a failed market employee, guys. So it sounds as though just generally there's new me, obviously massive uh diversions in how you both feel about the overall film itself what about how it looks you know batman it's got a huge range of scope for you to to have great technology and you know it's just been touched on there by dave so i'm gonna let him go first so you know let what what's in there in terms of shots and and you know visual feast is there enough for you to look at um gotham has never looked worse to be honest with you, got a Batman when the when the Detective Comics first came out, and in the films that followed, and in the animated TV series I've just referenced, and in everything that's followed since, Batman is kind of known for this kind of gothic look. It's dark. Everything is shades of black and grey, and at best deep reds and oranges. It's very gothic. It's very dark. This is a world of neon. This is just surrounded by neon flashing lights. Uh, you got like uh, techno goths gangs okay. and things like that it goes it goes completely in a different direction it's very bright it's very colorful it doesn't feel like batman when joel was saying it doesn't feel like a batman th- film i think that aesthetic is very different it's not batman and you can say oh they were trying to do something different yeah they were trying to do something different it failed miserably there are some things you shouldn't change about batman and that dark kind of gothic undertone is something that shouldn't be played with okay well i mean i imagine i'm gonna get a, a, a distinct <laughs> i disagree but um gav I distinctly disagree. <laughs> this, you know, it's, it's trying to set itself apart from Tim Burton's films, and it does so very, very well. Dave says that this is the what? What did you say about Gotham, Dave? The worst it's looked. It's never looked worse. 
Yeah, I oh, I completely disagree. I think Gotham in this is absolutely amazing. That the whole uh, visual of it is very loud, colourful. It's like a cartoon come to life. And I, I really like the way that Joel Schumacher is essentially um, giving each character their own tones as well. It's almost like a colour palette motif, uh, motif sorry, for each character. So Mr. Freeze is all blues and poison ivy, so all these different shades of greens, robin reds, and so on. And it's so visually like effective. Like When you see it, it's very pleasing as well when these colours come together as well. Aesthetically, Gotham is superb, a million miles from what Dave's saying. It's so grandiose in parts. Like this, like buildings and overground, um, overground railways are being held up by these giant Atlas statues. It looks very, very impressive. And it also makes, well, it makes me believe, I don't know about anybody else, uh, that this is the reason that the city has gone to the dogs because they've criminally mismanaged funds and spent it on ludicrous architecture instead of on the people. And then when we are shown rougher parts of Gotham, um, there's, you know, they're so vibrant and full of life. There's a section in the film where there's this like abandoned store that Poison Ivy breaks into because uh, she wants to turn it into her lair. And it's covered in every square inch with glow-in-the-dark graffiti, as are the gang who were inhabiting it. And they look like visually very, very amazing. Um, and, and that's the other thing, like all of the gangs in this film, you know, the glow in the dark one, uh, Mr. Freeze's men, the drag racers, you know, they all have their own distinctive, colorful and interesting uniforms. It reminds me of the Warriors in a way. Um, although, you know, oh, I hope, hoping, yeah, I'm hoping that this film doesn't <laughs> end up with the Warriors on the shit list. Um, but, you know, yeah, I, I couldn't and like, I, I, like disagree with Dave more. I think the visuals in this, uh, the cinematography are superb. If, uh, uh, Joel, if you had to compare this with one other film visually, what would it be? Don't say Bulaquo. <laughs> um, it's difficult, actually, because it, it is very much unique unique in that way you know <laughs> dave mentioned neon and gav kind of backed it up you know it, it is a lot of neon stuff um was that your issue though is that it, it doesn't I mean it's the way dave put that is that it doesn't feel like any other gotham that we've ever seen before would you would you back that up would you say that yeah i totally agree i mean as i said in my first city. argument you know it, it doesn't feel like batman you only have to look on look at you know the costumes you know this is kind of the infamous nipples on the um, you know, hard armor, whatever it is that Batman wears, um, you know, which caused which caused a bit of uproar, obviously, with the with the fans. And it, it, if you make a superhero film for kids, you know, I, I I understand that. But you've at least got to satisfy, you know, the fans. The, the our comic books are revered, you know, the the yeah. world over. And Batman is probably one of the top, you know, top five, top ten characters in the entire world even if you make that film for kids you still have to make the film properly for the comic book fans as well and, and um you know joe joel schumacher completely disregarded that in my opinion it's not gotham you know the sets may look you know visually appealing but that's essentially all it is you know it's just a bit of eye candy which maybe takes um your eyes off the actual candy film itself uh, <laughs> which obviously is extremely underwhelming um because you do find um, yourself looking at the backgrounds, you know, more than the actual characters. Okay, well, um, I, I mean, I think I've had enough sort of contrasting uh, view on on how it looks. It sounds like it's not necessarily shot badly. It's just not shot. It, it just doesn't look like a Batman film. Is the is that is that safe to say that that's what people are getting at? It just doesn't I, I, look like. 
I would disagree. I'd say, you know, you've got Batman in it. You've got a Batmobile in it. You've got, you do have Gothic architecture in it. You do see the city. It, it is, there is Gothic architecture in it. So it's not like, it's like, whoa, where is this? This is completely different Gotham. It's just slight, it's done slightly differently. And, you know, you've had, you've, you know, you've had the Tim Burton Batman. That's been done. You know, that's what, what we're just going to keep doing that forever. It's like, well, you know, let's cut, let's, introduce something new and let's make it colorful yeah, well, while, while you're like a very fine thing to do well while you're on 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 that vein then so did they keep um one of the things which always strikes me with any batman film is huge overblown uh soundscapes you know orchestral um particularly in like the tim burton ones you know it's very it feels big on action because of the because of the sounds how does it work in this do you still have a is it is it a similar vibe to this you know you built up on that this is going for you uh alex again uh, yeah, yeah, I'd say the the sounds fine. I, you know, I, I wouldn't say the music, if I'm being totally honest, is something that absolutely, you know, blew me away and like was a huge draw of the film. It's it's it it goes with the actual action. So the music you sort of keep, you know, heats up when it's an action sequence and and slows down when it's not. I, you know, I, I don't think it's is it Danny Elfman that did the. I'm guessing did he do the no. the original? No, Batman? I mean he did the original. He did the original. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is not, by, no, not uh, this Ellie... one. Elliot yeah. Goldenthal. So it's not a Danny Elfman, do you know. I mean, you haven't got that, but I, you know, I, I'll be honest. Um, go on. Well, it didn't. It didn't detract anything, but I wouldn't say it. You know, added I, I, well, I would say that, that this is one of the best parts of the film for me. Apologies, Alex, but like, I, I really, really like the soundtrack from this film. Uh, the soundtrack itself was like very well received. I think it became like a you know a, a platinum selling records, but uh, the actual. Um, sounds and you know the soundtrack and the themes to the film are, are absolutely superb it's a very tough job to follow up Danny Elfman's iconic soundtrack um, and theme song but Elliot Goldenthal does an amazing job here like there's motives uh, sorry keep on saying motives motifs attributed to each hero and villain that change every time Mr. Freeze comes on there's a different uh, melody or a different motif, motif that comes into it Batman's theme song. It's absolutely amazing. And like the work that's gone into it is, is superb. And I just think you it's a it's a shame. It's very, very good. Honestly, when you listen, I, I ask anybody who's listened to this podcast, once they finish this, they go onto YouTube and listen to the full orchestral version of the Batman and Robin theme song. And it is absolutely superb. Like so once the, you've had an hour and a half of us moaning about it, I go and listen to an hour and a half of, uh, of the soundtrack. Uh, Dave, Dave, uh, you I, I would recommend words. anyone listen to this to go listen to the Batman Forever soundtrack, which is almost identical. Also written by Elliot Goldenthal. Basically, when he came to doing this, he lifted huge chunks out of his Batman Forever score. It is a decent score. Gavin's right. It is pretty good. But I said this film cannot really be credited with it. He'd already done most of the work. He just basically scribbled out, you know, some of the kid's name and changed the date at the top. And the arrangement that follows it, the previously good pieces, they're arranged differently. He's trying to make make it more contemporary sounding trying to make it more more 90s i suppose is the, is the word i'm looking for and i think it was a mistake i think the arrangement uh, of his score for batman forever was better so although this is the same score that's been arranged differently i think it's weaker therefore it's still a decent piece of music gav is quite right it is a decent piece of music but i don't think you can attribute the success of that on this film i think it's for the previous film to declare that a credit and also, I just want to say, you know, Alex was saying before about it looking differently and, uh, you know, they tried to do something different with this film. Uh, yeah, they did. And maybe that would deserve kudos in certain situations. But you got to remember, this was part of a franchise. 
this wasn't meant to be a standalone uh, Batman film. This was the fourth in an installment in a saga. Uh, Tim Burton had done the first two. Joel, did, uh, Joel Schumacher did the second two. This was There was a degree of expectation on behalf of the audience when they went in to watch this film that it would be akin to the films that had gone before it. You know, it doesn't have to be identical. You can do certain things differently, but you can't tear it all down and start again and do something completely zany and wacky and out there. People won't be expecting with it. People will rally against it. They won't like it. And Joel, do you have your little hand up first there? Do you still want to touch on that or can I go to Gav just for a, a quick shout back? Uh, well, I wasn't going to talk about the music. But... Okay, well, let me hear Gav just quickly, very, very quickly. You've got one half a minute on the music and then I go to Joel. No, I was, was going to say, I think he's done a very good job. But, you know, it's, it's essentially it's similar to Danny Elfman with Batman and Batman Returns. It's putting a spin on a soundtrack or a theme that is already iconic. And he, I think he does a very good job. It's, I think it's very difficult to blend that sort of orchestral sound. It's almost like gothic choir-like with... Uh, sort of 90s, 90s soundtrack. I, I think it's a very difficult job to do and I think he did it very well. And this actually sold more copies than the Batman Forever soundtrack. It, it, it was incredibly well received. And uh, when Dave was saying that you can't have a, a film in a series standard alone, I would completely disagree as well. Every film needs to have its own stamp. It's like any of the Marvel films, you know, there's what, 21 of them or 23 or what them or whatever. Not all of them appear the same. Like you could watch Black Panther and it's completely different from Iron Man, but it's very similar. There's similar motives even some of the characters are the same but they're directed differently the style the aesthetic the songs everything is different to it but you know it's within the same group and that's the same with this batman film you know it's different but it's also its own thing okay well, i think I've, i think i've got enough with sound and visuals i got a, i got a good feel for where we're at there joel um you had a something you want to touch on yeah, so I actually re- i remember kind of coming across um it was a little bit of trivia i'm not sure if it's a hundred percent true or not, but that's my favorite um, trivia one. So, um, you know, I think I can't remember who mentioned it, but the film starts with that, like, uh, or that, like the ice hockey bad guys, uh, who basically skate rounds with, with, um, uh, you know, sticks and things like that. And apparently they showed that scene to people and it was so bad, uh, that people laughed at it. So they, so they had to kind of reshoot it. And that just goes to show you that the film actually wasn't trying to be funny. You know, it was trying to be a deadly serious film. They showed it to people, they laughed at it and they had to go back and reshoot it. And if you Google this film, it was actually full of reshoots just because of the uh, reaction, uh, the initial reaction that they showed to people and how negative it was. And uh, I think that comes across, uh, you know, really, really strongly when you watch the film as well. I mean, that's an interesting point, and that's going to bring me on to sort of the next thing that I wanted to talk about. We 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 briefly sort of discussed the characters and the sort of the the way the how different it is to other to the other Batman films. There, so this thing about um, and we've touched on it a few times now. Where is it meant to be funny, or is it know that it's funny? You know, is it is it fall and foul of the mark? But in that terms, how do you actually feel about the bad guys? You know, you've got. Who is it? Has it got Arnold Schwarzenegger, who I find... Yeah, so it's got Arnold Schwarzenegger is Mr. Freeze and yep. Uma Thurman is Poison, Poison Ivy. Ivy. Okay, I mean, Arnie automatically brings with him a huge sort of expectation of something, you know, straight away. Uma Thurman, I don't think I, I would have known who she was when this came out. Obviously, I do now, but... Um, are they well, you know, are they well treated? Are they actually um, villainous? Are they someone that you'd be worried about as a... I mean... As a watcher? Uh, you know, 
Arnie they brought in for central billing. That's literally the reason, you know, why they brought him in. His character does not give him the opportunity to act, to move, to do anything really that you would expect Arnie to do other than constantly crack out, you know, his, his one-liners. That's literally all his character does. You could probably, you know, make a list of, you know, maybe 10, 15 of his one-liners, whereas your standard Arnie, you know, maybe like the end bad guy, he might say something really witty or whatever in his standard yeah. films. But that's literally all he's brought in to do. How did um, he get beaten? You know, is it, is it a... Is it a um, what, you know, what, what's, what, how did he get dealt with? Is, is it satisfying? Like Alex... Yeah, uh, you know, Arnie is pounding out the puns left, right, and center. That's really, just point. pound. <laughs> pounding them out. That is the point in the film. I don't think that's true, what Joel was saying about, you know, it knows, like I'm saying, they hit their shoes together and ice skates come out in the first two seconds. It is setting itself up. They're cracking jokes all of uh, like from the minute they go, they're cracking jokes about, you know, oh, uh, just about literally everything so it knows exactly that it's trying to go for it. I know sure it must have been memorable <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, it's forecast the breeze is coming but so the villains are very good in it as well and you've got Arnie who's doing the who's playing it he's hamming it up he's having a great time he's hamming it up it's Arnold Schwarzenegger I'm not expecting Arnold Schwarzenegger to really be giving me a particularly nuanced performance he's just doing the bad guy thing you know a bit of a motive to it but bad guy all the way uh, Uma Thurman does a really good performance in this she's fantastic in this and she is the one who brings a little bit more nuance to it so you know she's there's an eco thing running through which is really interesting when you look at it now to back then and you're actually far more on Poison Ivy's side than I've yeah, yeah. been watching at the time um it's really, and there's some really good lines. Poison Ivy has some really nice lines. Again, there's often, there's a little bit of, you know, the, the sort of plant-based puns. But then, you know, she'll have a nice quote later on. She'll go, men, the most absurd of God's create, uh, creatures, we give you life and we can take it away just as easily. You know, th- there's these nice little lines that they that they, that they they throw into it. She gets taken, uh, she, it's a bit weird to say she gets taken down by Barbara. <laughs> like, <laughs> Batgirl so Bat comes Girl in. Takes her out. Batgirl comes in right at the end, and that's a really good part of this film. It's you've got Batgirl who comes in, and it actually, you know, we talk a lot about sort of like female roles. Well, actually, this is 97, and this is a very good example, I think, of a strong female character being brought into the franchise. You've got um Barbara comes in and she fights on her own, she takes down Poison Ivy, and it's really, really nice. She's not helpless she's not being saved she does the saving and it, and it's a very very good bit she she has another quote later on where she says where she sort of confronts poison ivy who spent a lot of the film seducing men her lips are poisoned so she kills them by doing that she says using feminine wiles to get what you want trading on your looks read a book sister that passive aggressive number went out years ago it's an interesting there's just lines in it that make you go wow there's a lot more to this film than just arnie cracking out loads of puns so, and, you know, at the very end, Arnie's taken down um, by Batman and Robin. You know, it all sort of comes together. They work together. It's a team. That story arc of them not trusting each other all comes together really well. Um, yeah, the characters, for, for a film that starts with them ice skating and flying up into space, there's enough depth in here that keeps you going for the for the running time of the film. Okay, I mean, Dave has been the most patient I've ever seen Dave ever and he's a very patient man, but this was, uh, he's, he's looked like he really wants to get something off his chest about this. But so in terms of the comeuppance or, you know, the character, not necessarily character development, but, you know, 
they're dealing with the story. How does it resolve? Exactly yeah. as Alex has said, or how do the has the the villains' story yeah. arcs? Do end? I feel do I feel great that they're gone? Do I want them gone? Um, yeah, it's, it's it's a funny one. They basically lifted it out of the comic books. You know, um, the reason why Mister Freeze is doing what he's doing is to save his wife. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's kind that of, sounds like a pretty. It's a noble cause. Yeah. It's a noble means, and he's he's in, incarcerated in Arkham Asylum, but with the means and facilities to carry on his research and hopefully save his wife. So it's kind of a a bittersweet ending for him. You know, he's uh, he's out of the game, but he can carry on doing what he was intending to be doing in the first place, funded for by probably Bruce Wayne, although Batman's not going to admit that to him at that point. Um, no, it's it's a, a fine comeuppance for the villains, I guess, but as far as you, the way you see them throughout the film, it's for the most part complete indifference. You are not remotely interested in any of these characters. One of the problems with that, and I don't want to lay this all at Joel Schumacher's door, because like I say, he was essentially brought on board to direct a toy commercial, but he said to everyone at the start of every take, uh, he would say to people, right, remember, you're in a comic book. Now, when you're acting in a film, I don't know, what does that even mean? You're in a comic book. Do you, instead of saying your dialogue, do you like hold up a little speech bubble? Do you say, I don't, how do you act like you're in a comic book? It was a very strange choice in, in direction. And I don't think it did anyone any favors. He's got some decent actors here. He's got Uma Thurman. He's got, I, I, I rate George Clooney. I think he's a good actor. Everyone looks so lost. They look so lost and they look so confused and they don't know what they're doing here. And the script does not befit the characters as people would have used to have seen them. It's like Batman. When do you know Batman to make puns? Yeah. It's not really a Batman thing. He's quite humorless a lot of the time. Apart from Lego Batman. I know Alex is, is scowling at me, but it's it's okay. Apart from Lego Batman, which is a kid's comedy thing, you know, it's uh, Batman is quite does a humorless Batman not make character. Puns? Think of a Batman, Batman pun outside of puns. No. <laughs> maybe right. maybe it's time Batman does make puns, but Batman's a bit of a sourpuss. Clearly, let's, no let's one make, thought so. Let's make Batman a bit more fun. I mean, Joel Schumacher <laughs> was basically interested by the studio to make a toy commercial. After this film came out, Joel Schumacher basically, like Joel said, he had to reshoot it a number of times. He put his head down and he just like got on with the job. He just basically finished it off as quick as he could. And essentially, after the film, it was uh, it's a well-known fact that if you paid for a cinema ticket to go see Batman and Robin and ran into Joel Schumacher and told him, he would give you your money back out of his own pocket. He was ashamed <laughs> of this film. Everyone involved with it was. George Clooney still has a poster of Batman and Robin in his office, in his home, to remind him not to make such terrible mistakes again. Have you been hanging Everyone... out with Joel Schumacher and George Clooney? No, it's, it's well-known <laughs> trivia. It is well-known trivia. Mm. Yeah, yeah, really. Mm. Uh, <laughs> right, okay. Uh... <laughs> so from, from one bit of uh, well-known trivia through to a piece of other well-known trivia, um, mm. Alex had a teeny tiny bit to say, but I think it may have been dealt with. He's lost all interest. So Gav... I've lost all interest. You've got the teeniest... No, sorry, teeniest... no, 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 no. Very, 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 very... <laughs> no, 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 right, okay. From, Just... right... Just Dave, Dave said a few times that it's a toy commercial, and I'd there's it's very hard to think of a kids' film ever that's not. George uh, Lucas took all of the merchandise and rights from Star Wars and made it a toy commercial, you know. So it's you know, yeah, it is a toy commercial, out, I would agree, but that is a very standard thing to do with kids' films. So let's not just say, wow, it's a toy commercial, it's not like small soldiers is some piece of art that they were trying to give they were trying to sell toys then as well you know so it's it, you know yes it is but let's keep that in context of kids films okay um prosecution the teeniest tiniest one minute um rundown who wants to just give me a quick uh anything that may not have been touched upon why this should go on the shit list i just Anyone? kind of briefly like to mention the characters 
Um, you know, uh, Alicia Silverstone as uh, as Batgirl. She is absolutely fucking horrific. Like she cannot act like full stop. Um, George Clooney is like passable as Bruce Wayne, but just extremely embarrassing as Batman. As Dave was that says, his first did. Batman, by the way, or uh, first and only. Okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, the rest of the cast are just basically, you know, cannon fodder. There isn't really anybody of ever any note that gets any kind of decent part. Uh, but all in all, I would just say. The acting is completely terrible, which it, which is something we haven't really touched on. Just shit acting, shit Dave. characters, terrible actors generally. Dave, you've got a minute. Just quickly, I just want to say this film was so poorly received, it killed the franchise. I know what Alex and Gav were saying about how we wouldn't have had Christopher Nolan's Batman series if it weren't for this. You're quite right, we wouldn't, because this killed the franchise Stone Cold Dead. It absolutely ruined everything. There was supposed to be a Robin spinoff starring Christopher O'Donnell. That got canned. There was supposed to be a spin-off TV series that got canned. The studio Warner Brothers walked away from everything to do with Batman because the reviews they had were savage. And this wasn't a box office flop. Because of the strength of the films that had gone on before it, people turned up expecting to see another decent Batman film like they seen Batman Forever, Batman Returns. They were so disappointed and the reviews were so scathing that Warner Brothers walked away from a short fire hit. They did, would not um, come back and they would not touch this again. Did it actually sell toys though? I presume it did. I had the toy, Mr. Freeze, so it probably did. Yeah, I, I imagine it did. Batman is bound to sell toys. But... More very strong evidence there from Joel. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I had uh, the toy, so yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You guys down below, you've got uh, one minute each. Quick. This Go. is bullshit. Uh, I, I would say that there's 27 ice puns made by Mr. Freeze during this. Oh and okay. like, The thing is, is that like, they are funny though I mean like at the time when I was a kid I probably found them funny now as a fully grown adult watching it back I actually laughed and you know maybe some of it is because it is quite corny but some of it is because it's funny you know and that's the thing this film is just fun it's light it's you know a laugh you can put it on on a Sunday afternoon and just watch it and not think too hard and just enjoy it you know and it might be a case now that it's more because it's you know so bad or so camp that it's good but I still enjoyed it and that's the main thing to take away from this. The performances, which I was saying before, I think that's very, very cruel. I think Alicia Silverstone does a pretty good job here. And similar to what Alex was saying, you know, it's refreshing to see a female superhero at that time that wasn't just the object of somebody's affection and the happy ending doesn't involve her falling in love or finding a man. You know, yeah, the character long, long zooms minute. in on her ass just one. earlier on. <laughs> yeah, but it also zooms in on Batman's ass and Batman's nipples. So, you know, like it zooms in on everybody's asses, Joel. All right. Like, <laughs> okay. That's why this film is progressive. All asses are off the table. All right. Alex, you've got 30 seconds now because he's gone way over his minute. Yeah. Do you need uh, to, is there anything we've not touched upon that puts just, it in? Just, uh, the main thing is, you know, the, a lot of what the prosecution is saying is that it's not Batman. And, you know, I, I think there's lots there's of different versions of Batman. We let's, not, let's not say, you know, even in the comics, there's lots of different versions of Batman. You had the Adam West Batman. You had the different. You had the uh, Tim Burton Batman. This is a new type of Batman, and if you're not on board with it, then turn it off and watch the old Batman. You know, it feels like sometimes they wanted to watch something a lot grittier and a lot, you know, deeper. And it's like, well, you know, watch another film then. Yeah, watch Batman. (laughs) Why are you watching Batman and Robin? It's fun. 
Go Who with the fuck knows? <laughs> <laughs> okay, All somebody... I want is a refund from George Clooney. Apparently, he's them up. And then, oh, no, Schumacher. Oh, no, Schum- okay. And you missed your chance. He's recently passed away. I know, yeah, he passed like, away just a couple of hours like ago. This yeah, afternoon, okay. yeah. Yeah. Let me have a, qu- let me have a quiz. Send right. to his wife. God, yeah, rest in peace, Joel. Joel. Joel Schumacher did not have a life. Yeah. He was openly gay. Oh, no. Wow! Not that bombshell. Does somebody edit, want to give let's me just a... edit this bit? Does <laughs> someone want to give me a quiz? Yeah. Okay, right, right. This quiz was all <laughs> so. This quiz was all about Batman villains originally, but then I just put a couple of like non-villain related stuff in there at the end. Dave's the so villain awesome. today. Oh, just shooting people down left, right, and centre. Yeah, I know, <laughs> really yeah, riled yeah. him. He's cat man. <laughs> yeah, I'll put those claws back, Dave. Uh, in the 1960s TV show Batman, horror legend Vincent Price played which Batman villain? Fingers on the buzzers. Joker. Um, Bam. Joker. No. Egghead. Yes, well done, Dave. Egghead. His egghead. name was Egghead. egghead. Who the hell is he Egghead? In egg puns and only used egg shaped weapons like. Tear gas eggs that were made <laughs> by feeding chickens nothing but onions. <laughs> was he in Lego Batman? Or have we already had this quiz before? Uh, 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 I can't remember. He was in I Lego think we've Batman. We had a similar yeah. quiz of just yeah. like weird superhero villains. Uh, yeah, okay, this yeah, is yeah. the last weird one. Um, Batman has a villain who is blind in his eyes but can instead see out of his fingertips. What is his name? I'll give you three options. Is it A, Blind Boy? Is it B, the finger tipper, or is it C, ten eyed man? I hope it's the finger tipper to me. Yeah. <laughs> I really want it to be finger tipper. Yeah, I'm going to say ten eyed man. Uh, well done again, Dave. It is <laughs> ten eyed man. <laughs> really, really took a long time trying to think of that name. Um, question three What is Poison Ivy's real name? Oh, uh, got it. Bat. Um, Pam Beasley or something like that. Pam no, Beasley. that's from The Office. The office <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Pamela Risley. Well done, Dave. Pamela Risley. And here's uh, another question for you. If she had two male siblings, what would they be called? The Isley what? Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I am too funny. Uh, number five. Who was the first <laughs> actor to play D.A. Harvey Dent in film? Um, no idea. Dave? I thought I guess Billy D. Williams. It is Billy D. Williams, yes. I wasn't sure if Harvey Dent was in uh, the Adam West version or yeah, not. The but... jo- uh, Two-Face was, but I don't think Harvey Dent himself was. Right. Um, now, number six, which actor was used as bait to get Jack Nicholson to play the Joker in 1989's Batman? Um, Absolute silence. Go on, Dave. I thought I guess Jack Palance. No, no. Um, I, I don't know if anyone's going to get this. Um, uh, it is, is another clue. He was he was first off at the part of the Riddler used as bait. Like they hunted Nicholson and they had to like use someone <laughs> like yeah, t- yeah. like in the T Rex at Jurassic Park, just like yeah. tethered to a post. <laughs> <laughs> Nicholson uh, to come along. tethered me a pharaoh to in, yeah. in the middle of yeah. it. <laughs> it was um, it was Robin Williams. Uh, so they only oh. offered Robin Williams the role to force Jack Nicholson's hands. Um, and, you know, Williams was then released when Aww. Nicholson changed his mind. So I Williams feel like they the... used Robin Williams. Oh, they did massively. So they came back years later and offered him the part of the Riddler in Batman Forever. Not only did he turn that down, uh, but he refused to appear in another Warner Brothers film until they issued a formal apology. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, so fair anyway, play. I know, fair play, yeah. yeah. Um, Is that when he did Flubber? 
Yeah, yeah, he made his triumphant return before. <laughs> Number seven, what is the name of Christopher Walken's villainous businessman in Batman Returns? Um, Dave? Max Shrek. Max Shrek, well done. I think this quiz is just for Dave, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, number eight, Walken wasn't the first choice to play the role, however, as it was originally offered to which singer who turned it down for the chance to work with David Lynch? Tom Jones. So it, it wasn't Tom Jones, although I would it's have loved to have film, seen. Yeah. <laughs> um, Dave? David Bowie? It was David Bowie, yes, well done. Wow. Another bit of truth for you, David Bowie was first choice to play uh, Max Zorin, in a view to a kill before Christopher Walken backed it. Uh, anyway, next one. At a cost of $1,000 a piece, how many cat suits did Michelle Pfeiffer go through during production of Batman Returns? One. Just the one. Six. Just the one. Six. And higher or lower than six, Dave? Nine. Higher or lower say, than nine, Ozzy? I'm going to say 11. 11. Ozzy wins. Uh, it, it was actually 60. So wow, £60,000 they spent on their um, uh, cat suits alone. Uh, and Do you think in the auctions of those cat suits they made more or less money than Batman yeah, and Robin and their toy sales? Uh, you think that selling used cat suits made more money than Batman and Robin at an auction? I think I'm so, I'm going to say probably no. <laughs> no, thank you. Film it would be interesting to find out. I'll tell you what, Ozzy, you Google that for us and tell us the answer at next week's quiz. No worries. Uh, <laughs> what would you, hang on, Ozzy, what would you spend on a cat suit? From? <laughs> well, I don't know. I just feel like people buy it, spend a lot of money on film memorabilia. And if it's True. film memorabilia from Catgirl, Catwoman. Obviously, I'm not a big comic book fan, but <laughs> Catwoman. Then, and then Michelle Pfeiffer as well, at peak of uh, fame. I think that'd go for a lot of money. Maybe, maybe. Marilyn Monroe's uh, dress is one of the most expensive film yeah. props ever. So, yeah, and uh, uh, Michael Keaton's codpiece from Batman One is sold for like sixty million. <laughs> no, he's <laughs> <laughs> got the idea of someone getting it and just like insert putting themselves in and just like, worth every penny. <laughs> uh, okay, question number ten: uh, Which actress will be playing Catwoman in next year's The Batman? Mm, don't know. Uh, she, uh, Stewart. No, um, although she was rumoured to be playing her at one point, um, she has appeared in a pretty uh, a Big Little Lies. She is the daughter of a music um, legend, Dave. Zoe Kravitz. Zoe Kravitz, well done, yeah. Uh, number 11, which up-and-coming now megastar refused the part of Robin in Batman Forever uh, because um, they didn't like Joel Schumacher's direction? Mm. DiCaprio. It was Leonardo DiCaprio. Well done, Joel. Oh, well done. Uh, number 12, which rapper has a cameo as the drag racing organiser in Batman Forever? Um, Dave? Is it Coolio? It was Coolio. <laughs> what a cameo that was. Brilliant. Uh, number 13, which is the only Batman villain to appear in all three of Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy? Bam. Out. It is the Scarecrow. Well done. Uh, number 14, which actor was rumoured to play the Penguin in Dark Knight Rises before Bane was revealed to be the film's antagonist. Danny DeVito again. <laughs> it wasn't, but although that would have been good. Wouldn't it? I should say late actor. Late and um, great actor. Dave? Philip Seymour Hoffman. Well done, Philip Seymour Hoffman. You are smashing this, Dave. Um, and which actor will be playing the Riddler in next year's The Batman? I think you're a big fan, Alex. Oh, Sam Rockwell. No. <laughs> no. And he was in War and Peace and Little Miss Sunshine and There Will Be Blood. Paul Dano. Yeah. 
I'm not a massive fan. <laughs> <laughs> You're not. You should be. He's boss. Uh, um, he was also in an episode of The Sopranos that I watched the other night as well. Was he? Uh, yeah, yeah. Very much. He was one of Anthony's, Anthony Jr.'s friends. Uh, anyway, um, number 16, last one of the rounds. Here we go. Moneysupermarket.com did a costings exercise to find out how much it would actually cost to be Batman. How much would it cost? Nearest person to the actual figure a, wins. A billion. A billion. A billion. Alex, be, 25 billion. So to be Batman and to be Bruce Wayne and Batman? To be Batman and Bruce Wayne, yeah. Yeah, I suppose. Oh. So it's going to, you're going to have to be like Jeff Bezos rich, aren't you? Like, or, or Elon They're Musk Almost rich. a trillion. Yeah, I'm going to say a trillion. I'm going to say 13 billion. 13 billion. 2.75 billion. Uh, what was what was your one, Joel? Uh, one billion. Oh, Joel's closest, one billion. It's actually... Only six hundred and eighty-two, four hundred and fifty million. So yeah, not even bargain, a billion euro there. Millions win. A bargain, sorry, yeah. wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. A Euros million win <laughs> would sort you well done, Aussie. Yeah, uh, so you got um so just for the graphite cowl alone, that's one million. Then you've got the um, million pound for a cape. I mean, yeah. I've bought some. No, the cowl is the is little is little. How um, much you pay for your capes? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sixty million pounds is the bat plane. Eighty million for the Batmobile. Um, cowl as in his face. I feel, I feel like mask. yeah, his helmet. Yeah, the mask. Yeah, made out of carbon fiber. For a million I don't pounds. Think it's made out of carbon. Graphite. Fiber, graphite. Yeah. I tell you what, Ozzy, you make us a cheaper mask, a Batman mask made out of graphite. I reckon I'm I could a... buy like a thousand HB pencils for less than a million pounds <laughs> and mould it into how a much, mask. How much were the bat skates, Gav? Um, they were free with the boots <laughs> when they bought them. Yeah. Complimentary with the belt. He was like, you know, oh my God, we bought these boots like 15 years ago and this is the first time that they've actually come in handy. This is amazing. Fantastic. All right, well, is that the quiz done? That's it. That's it. It's done. Dave's the winner. By a long way. Yeah, well in, well in Dave. That was Thank a good you. quiz. And, and because his prize is that he picks which one of you has to watch <laughs> Batman and Robin again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like already it's going to be me who next has to watch Batman <laughs> and Robin. Um, and I'm going to level with you guys straight away. I'm not looking forward to it. You did a valiant effort there, you, uh, Slender Man and Mr. Freeze, but um, I just don't think you really sold it to me very, very well. The looks on your faces whilst trying to uh, read off your your pre-written notes just to make sure you didn't, you know, fall from the script. Um, it, I, I just don't think it sounds like a great film whatsoever. It sounds like it really fell fell way off the mark if it's the fourth of a of a of a series and it's got a completely different tone it just doesn't feel to me like like it's going to be a good film it already sounds like a cash grab when you're on the fourth one in of a batman franchise um i mean i'm probably i'll probably still enjoy it because it's going to be a light-hearted piece of shit but um yeah it just it, it does sound like a piece of shit i think it's on the shit list sorry <laughs> Don't, okay. Uh, don't, don't be sorry, Ozzy. Genuine opinions. <laughs> Let's start with Alex. Uh, yeah, it's it's a big pile of shit. It's, it's awful. <laughs> um, you know, I'd, I'd I'd maybe agree with a, a lot of what I said. The problem is for me, it's two hours long. It's two hours. Two so hours. after half an hour, 
you just I, I like I paused it and I was like I wonder how much longer and it was another hour and a half left of like constant puns so I didn't mind the aesthetics to it I did I thought there was some interesting a little bit of an interesting character but two hours of zany fun is just insane I, much, I, yeah. I, I'd lost the will by the end yeah I, I agree with Alex I, I thought it was uh, you know I actually enjoyed it because, uh, well, I like shit films mainly, but I did have a laugh when I was watching it, especially because I watched it with Siobhan and we were just taking the piss out of it. But the thing that did it for me was two hours. There's a whole bit in the middle where Mr. Mr. Freeze gets arrested and locked up in Arkham and then gets broken out so we can do the exact same thing again. Yeah, I was just like, that bit could plot. just be yeah. completely removed. It, like, it does drag. And then there's the whole subplot of Ar- Ar- Albert... Albert, Alfred's getting sick, and Albert as well. Both of them, they get sick with McGregor syndrome, which is the same disease that Mr. Freeze's wife had. You know, a bit of a coincidence, obviously. And then this, that whole bit, it's just, yeah, if it was all just, you know, ice puns and campy martial arts fighting, that would be good. But then they have these serious bits in there as well, which I don't think blend that well with the, the rest of the film. So, yeah, overall, it's a shit. Um, Dave? Uh, I, I was reminded when I was watching this that Empire magazine did a poll of the 50 worst films ever made, and this was voted number one. <laughs> it was it was pretty damning, and it, it's not that bad. It's not like worst film ever made material, but, but it's fact. not good. It's really it's really not good. It's it, yeah, it, it killed the franchise, and you can see why. And you know what? I think it's actually in the long run, looking back on it, it's a good thing it killed the franchise because it had gone. You know, the the bits that had gotten stale had gotten really stale, and the bits they were trying to do afresh were even worse. So <laughs> I think it was it was time for that franchise to go. It did the right thing in the end, but yeah, my God, what a way to go out. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> Joel. Uh, yeah, just reiterating what everyone else has said, really. You know, I when I picked this, I remember it being like watchable shit, but I'd barely even call it that. Um, you know, I can't, I can't see myself watching this again, like ever, unless I get kidnapped and I'm forced to watch it at like gunpoint. Like, 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 like watch teenage, it. Like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, it's better remembered than it is. Yeah. <laughs> like it's not as good as you think it was. Yeah, fair enough. Well, has anybody got any trivia about this film? We had a lot of almost trivia throughout uh, the I've uh, got the some. Arguments. Go on, uh, So uh, the nipples on the Batman suits are actually their real nipples. They were just that hard to join filming. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not real. <laughs> Is that more of your famous trivia? Uh, it's, it's, it must be a f- uh, true because I read it somewhere. Um, mm. I, I've got uh, one for you. So um, the planned fifth film in the Batman series is going to be called Batman Unchained it was going to Joel Schumacher was really signed up to direct it <laughs> Batman Unchained because it wasn't yeah. Unchained enough I know yeah, yeah. No. yeah. it's go. proper let's, Unchained let's spread, let's spread your wings Batman <laughs> <laughs> um, so the villain in this film was going to be Jonathan Crane aka the Scarecrow and Nicolas Cage had already signed up to play him and there's also been handshake deals in place with Michelle Pfeiffer Tommy Lee Jones Jim Carrey Danny DeVito and Jack Nicholson who had all agreed to return as their supervillains albeit in the form of dreams slash visions uh, due to Scarecrow's fear toxins so I think it actually sounds like it could have been could have been amazing alright yeah but did Nicolas you not Cage see- doing Crane yeah no no they, they did you not see they changed the casting in the end, Nicolas Cage was actually signed on to play Superman in and have a Superman cameo, and then Nicolas Cage going to play Superman, and they got someone they'd already used in the previous Batman films, Coolio. I kid you not, they got no, Coolio. No. Coolio, Coolio for Jonathan Crane. I kid you not. 
Oh, wow. I kid you not. They they, they hadn't signed because the film hadn't started pre-production yet, but they were talking about getting Coolio in. I kid you not. I mean, oh, what, was, what was Joel Schumacher's thing with with Coolio? I don't know. He must have I really, know. really liked Coolio. Well, I don't Coolio's know. Check it out. Have a Google. Have a Google. Have a look right. into that. But no, right. it's Okay, right. High Roll Lower than our previous film on trial, which was Artemis Fowl, which got... Oh, I reckon... Now, now trickier, see, this is funny. Trickier than... I remember last week I made yeah. a joke like, oh, we could do it now. Now, after watching Batman and Robin, I'm not actually as sure as I was. So, on week. Rotten Tomatoes, Artemis Fowl scored nine percent, which is ridiculously low. <laughs> and Alex did make the joke we should we should you know just vote now because it's obviously going to be higher. But after watching Batman and Robin, <laughs> is it actually higher or is it lower? You know, you don't know. Uh, anybody want to hazard a guess? It's got to be higher, surely. I, I, I say would higher. only review that one film in single figures, which is awesome as well. I mean, it's double, time, but in, in the 10Ts. I, I reckon like 15%. I time, think in the, time is a healer, isn't it? I, I think in the interest of just keeping it interesting, I'm going to say lower. Yeah, time <laughs> isn't a healer, especially if you've got McGregor's syndrome. Um, <laughs> it's actually 11%. Uh, so yeah, not, not that much higher. Um, I once again put up a, a poll on Twitter over the weekend and asked our friends and followers which list Batman and Robin should be placed on, however. And 66% of them said that it should be placed on the shit list which is much lower than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be like, oh, this yeah. is going to be one. Second. I think Artemis Fowl, there must have been one person who thought Artemis Fowl was, that was cracking. Like, I honestly think honest. half of them just bullshit. I'm just calling just them out it. now. I think half of them were Aussie. Because, <laughs> I mean, to be honest, Aussie, you said that you, you, like, you're cautious about watching this film. This is your perfect film, mate. This is like, you are going to love this film. I wouldn't be surprised and, if you turned up next week dressed as Mr. Freeze. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, before we adjourn the case, it's time for a little bit of a caption contest. So what I'll do here is I'll take a screenshot of the film, place it on Twitter for our friends and followers to provide a funny caption with the best one winning a chocolatey frog-shaped treat. Uh, so the caption I've got here is just Mr. Freeze looking pretty shocked, to be honest. And you guys have just got to pick the funniest caption, starting with, um, I've literally just lost them all. Um, my phone has just decided. Oh, great. And uh, my phone's just decided to do uh, an update right now. Um, so apologies. Here we go. So you guys have just got to pick the funniest starting with number one. Even Mr. Freeze can't withstand a cold-fingered prostate exam. Um, number two. What? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like someone's had a really bad day there. Yeah. Or just has had just had a prostate exam. <laughs> really cold. Why would you? I mean, do you know. Who, I, who would you I know what he's talking about. about. I know what he's talking about, and it's true. Uh, number two. Screenshot of the Independence Day remake. Um, number three. <laughs> oh, Maria hey Arnie hoodie have you seen the housekeeper today <laughs> oh uh, number four uh, the moment that Arnold learns he couldn't be US president and the last one is Disney's live action remake of Frozen raises concern with its casting choice for Elsa <laughs> Hmm. <laughs> I'll go with I'll go with the Frozen one just yeah, because Elsa, the Elsa ones I didn't understand yeah, we have some, shit we have <laughs> some pretty great followers don't so, we yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, uh, okay so congratulations to a good uh, friend and follower Christian Radnage you've just won yourself a Flippity Freddo woohoo yeah okay so uh, the next film 
It hasn't been picked out of the rat, but it, it, the rat, all the hats. It's a, it's a rat. It's on trial rat. You've got to write this suggestion to really, really small. Um, Pull them out. <laughs> oh, come on, Alex. Hey, and you, you were criticizing that guy for the prostate exam joke. It's got me Dirty bastards. Um, okay, so it hasn't been picked out of the hat at random, but instead it's been chosen by Ozzy because it is his personal pick for the month. So, Ozzy, what have you decided to pick? Well, I figured that because we'd had sort of an impromptu bird month and um, and I didn't get to put my bird theme down, I'm going to slightly skew it over and hopefully that I've had a little look in the hat and I'm hoping that enough of these uh, fishy ones come out. And I'm going to say for a transition, what about eagle versus shark? Nice. So okay. a segue into yeah, yeah. we're moving into fish-based films from next month. <laughs> I mean, I've got and my fingers crossed. I mean, I actually we'll don't. To what animal will be on in a year's time? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be honest with you, I can't imagine that there's that many fish-based ones in there. But Eagle vs. Shark, this film, I I really enjoy it. It's um, what are you looking at? I'm trying. Uh, no, it's my. Oh, just, go on, tell me what Gav, you want to say. What was that? Basically, Gav tries to tell us things without putting us off. The witch just ends up putting <laughs> all wave, of us off by waving yeah. his hand and it's, mouthing. It's, it's massively uh, frustrating and off-putting because Zoom. there's a chat function. There's literally a chat that you could write me a message. In. <laughs> okay, I, I've, I've just written a message. As you continue, please. Okay, Ignore, just pretend anyway. that that just didn't happen. Don't you worry. Okay. Anyway, it's Eagle versus Shark. It's um, Jermaine from um, Flight of the Concords. It's quite an indie hipstery film and it's a i think it's a really enjoyable watch i think it's quite interesting it's a good take on you know it's a lot of character development so with that being said someone who i think is genuinely going to enjoy this film um alex i'd like alex to uh defend it with me lovely um, and you guys can fight between yourselves to, to judge it maybe dave he's quite impartial so i'd like dave to be the judge and joel and gav who probably will not enjoy the film can prosecute it and i think you'll be able to pick it apart quite quite nicely okay uh, right so it doesn't have any explosions in Joel have you, have you actually watched this film has he uh, uh, yeah I have I have Katie hates it I love it <laughs> it's like one of those films that you say it's changed your life before you realise <laughs> it's actually a different film I, I know yeah, I, think you, this film, I you, think this film is genuinely you're funny. thinking of finding Nemo has he yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think like this Batman vs Superman <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, right. Okay. So, uh, yeah. Technically, what wasn't today a transition into? Oh no, because it was it was a bat and yeah, another bat. Is there a fish in Batman and Robin? Uh, but apart from the smell, it's <laughs> from it. Am I right? Let's <laughs> <laughs> oh, just let's move on. Right. Uh, thanks to everyone okay. who's listened to this episode. If you liked the episode, please remember to like, share, and subscribe. Why not leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts and just follow us on all the social media at Film Trials on Twitter and Films on Trial on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. That's it. Batman and Robin is a shit, and we'll be in your ears next week with Eagle versus Shark. Goodbye, everyone. Three-star review after that one. <laughs> oh, you know what? I, I meant to say, I'm changing my mind. Talkies are four tacos out of five for me. I thought they were quite nice. I've eaten half a bag. So I hate... Right. Yeah, I hate to think of what my talkies are. I, I feel like tomorrow. that's going to fluctuate as you start. As the night goes on. Tomorrow, that'll be like <laughs> zero out of five. Yeah. yeah, so far, four out of five. I, I like them. I was actually there. Um, yeah, if they were eight. Let us know what you should select tomorrow. I can't even think.